This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello. Don't mind me. This is just post-production spanners. I thought I'd add a quick note at the beginning of the show to warn you that there is a slight audio artifact where Joe's microphone lead is rubbing against his stubble. Now, don't worry. After about five minutes, we caught it and we sorted it out. For the rest of the 2018 season, Joe will be clean-shaven. I don't know. I'm not his mum. You are listening to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast, an independent Formula One podcast that aims to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute and a wide array of F1 subject matter experts that cover every aspect of F1 from racing to politics, tech, news and business. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here so you can play this with kids in the background or at work. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by the mighty Joe Sayward. Happy nearly F1 again, Joe. Yep. It's nearly time to get traveling again. I'm I'm still not recovered from last season. I'm still waking up in the night. But there you are. I'll I'll just go off and do it again now. Add oh, to the add to the fun. You have the deepest sympathies of everybody who's stuck at home watching F one from a couch. <laughs> and so, I'm aware of this, so you know, that's life. So what's the plan for Australia then? Surely get there a week early, enjoy some beach weather, and then ease yourself into the F one circus. So you don't have a wife then? Oh, yeah, no, I I wouldn't be allowed to do that. I just assumed that you as Joe Say would be the master of your own castle. No, I'm I'm off to London very shortly, which is actually a a a, a pleasure trip, taking my granddaughter to see London buses and things. Um, and I'm having one of my audiences next Friday, uh, the only bit of the time I'm there. I'm actually doing something. Um, I'm producing a new magazine, the preview of Grand Prix Plus, and 
Then I'm flying on an aeroplane out to Australia. I'll get there on Wednesday morning. You have to leave on Monday to get there on Wednesday. Um, and and I'll do a couple of days catching up, picking up the passes, all the usual sorts of things. And then I'm doing a second audience in Melbourne on Friday after the first sessions are done. So, so going back to the London one, is that the same one that I went to, which was in Knightsbridge? Yes, it is. Same location, uh, pretty much the same everything, really. Um, and it's just a sort of look at the uh, what's happened over the winter and, and looking ahead to the season. I mean, basically, it's not. I don't decide what it's about. People who go decide what it's about. You went there, you know. No, I know. And I was going to say, it is really up to the people that are there. And luckily, Joe, you attract people who are fairly intelligent Formula One fans. I have to say it was very educated, if not the youngest, most sparkly audience I've ever seen, that these are guys who have, have had a deep knowledge of F1 and knew the right questions to get interesting stories out of you from the whole era of F1. And it, it had this sort of air of like a, a conference where, you know, it's all like-minded people sitting in a room. Even though I didn't know anyone in that room, you know full well that they all have the same passion and love of F1. And then we have a subject matter expert to channel that. Who am I to say? But basically... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get erudite questions, which is good. I prefer that to um, dim questions, I have to say. It's fun, too. I mean, I, I enjoy it. Um, and I hope, I think that people enjoy it. So, um, you know, there's never any shortage of questions. And usually we get thrown out of the building before we we actually finish answering the questions. So, Well, actually, your main kind of talking bit finished on time. And then as we sort of started drifting out of the room I, I went to go and speak to you but there's like a queue kind of 10 deep of people answering questions and as far as I could see you sat there and answered all their questions presumably until they kicked you out well I did get I did get kicked out in the end uh, which is only fair you know we, you've booked a room for a certain period of time and people have got to clean up and all the rest of the sort of stuff I mean I love I love doing the audiences and I and I think that you know if I could do one every weekend I'd be very happy so just let people know exactly how to get their tickets, because you ask people to pre-book, don't you, for this event at, in Knightsbridge next Friday, yeah, is it? Yeah, they have to pre-book, yeah. And where do they um, go? Well, if you go onto my blog, scroll down through it, you can find where it is. It is at, it's in uh, Knightsbridge Green at, at uh, a place called Prism, which is um, WPP, the advertising agency. Um, which is a very big building. You can't miss it. But on the website, um, on my website, if you follow the audience links, um, you can find a picture of it, which makes it easier to find. Well, I'm sure everybody is following you on Twitter at Joe Saywood anyway, and I'm sure they click the little bell to get a notification every time you do a tweet. So uh, if you don't do that, go and find Joe on Twitter. And he, he doesn't spam you. That's the one thing about Joe's Twitter account. It might not be the 240-word deep debates of James O'Brien, uh, but you, you can follow Joe's account and only get completely relevant information. Like you'll say for this podcast, you'll say podcast dot. Love that. Straight to the point uh, thing, if you're interested. Why? I mean, there's so much rubbish <laughs> being written all the time that if it's just blah, 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 it's so much easier just to say, this is all rubbish. Uh, I'll have a word with our social media guy. He doesn't half waffle on. Well, they all do. You know, everyone involved in social media waffles on because nobody has a page count to stop them. Hey, it's a good job some people have been waffling because that means we have some. Dirty News.
one of the biggest pieces of news for me over the winter as somebody who watches F1 on a screen is the fact that F1 TV pretty much declared, Joe, we actually don't need a broadcaster because we are a broadcaster. So what do you think of this F1 TV? I know we can't get it in the UK for a little while. Oh, you can't get it in the UK for a number of years unless, of course, you act as a pirate, which you can do, I believe. I wouldn't know how to do it. But, uh, um, but you know, I think that, that it's brilliant, to be honest. You know, all these TV companies are robbing people blind, asking for far too much money. Uh, and here is a deal whereby fans can get it for, uh, I think it's $100 a year, um, which is in English money these days. It's about sort of £70, I think, for a year, 21 races. I mean, that's that's a bargain, isn't it? And uh, I know there are people who think that sports television should be free, but unfortunately, they're all living in cloud cuckoo land. It's not like that, you know. I think a lot of the people aren't arguing so much with the price of F1 TV at all. I think people are very happy these days to have a a la carte approach to their um, their viewing. But it's it's a little bit that everyone's upset in the UK because Sky has got this deal locked down next season, which means we've got to pay for all 20 races on Sky TV. And you're either going for the Now TV deal or you're going to have to go and get a Sky bundle. Obviously, what Sky wants you to do. Um, but is there any kind of thoughts that this is, you know, Bernie's passing shot because he knew the writing was on the wall? Um, this question comes from David Hatton, by the way, uh, that perhaps he, he knew he was on his way out and said, right, I'll just slap down that Sky deal because that's good for me right now. I think it was just getting money on the balance sheet when he was trying to sell it, probably, you know. Um, the uh-huh. bigger the deal, yes. the longer it goes on for, um, the more you can sell it for. So, I mean, I tend to agree with you. It's it, it's not good for the British audience. But at the same time, I think that Liberty may be able to work a deal with Sky because Sky's figures are terrible. Let's face it. You know, their, yeah. their actual number of people who watch their show is is rubbish. Um, and it's gone down from the big old days. And once once uh, DC and the and his crew disappear at the end of this year, uh, the numbers are going to go through the floor again. So are people really going to pay Sky kind of money? Probably not. Uh, do they like the Sky show? They probably don't know. Um, you know, they whatever it is, it is what it is. But nobody can actually see it. So I think they're going to have to they're going to have to put some of it on Claire uh, free to air. Um, just as a sort of a, a way of promoting the service. Canal Plus are doing it in France. They're going to have four races uh, free to air by another uh, by another channel, but one of their, I think it's one of their um, associate channels. Um, and in fact, France is going to have various different levels of, of um, uh, what they say in nowadays, different platforms to deliver, uh, content delivery platforms. You know, that means a telly, doesn't it? Um, but they, they love to have all this jargon, all these all these technical types. So basically, but Sky have paid for the whole lot. And so they it's basically they're right. And, you know, we'll have to see what they do with it. But um, it is, you know, if they if they go on keeping a high price and not letting people in, I think we'll see uh, sort of Radio Caroline setting up off the coast and, and you know, broadcasting Formula One into into Britain from the North Sea. Who knows? I mean. Well, it sort of feels like Liberty is almost serving that Radio Caroline role itself, because obviously once these contracts run out, I think that they are in the perfect position to say, no, we are 
F1's broadcaster now. Um, and they are a media firm, aren't they? So there's nothing to stop them saying the future of F1 is just our own in-house broadcast. That's it. Wherever you are in the world, you pay for our web service and you can have it on whatever device you want. You can watch it when you want, where you want. Yeah, that's that's one. I mean, as again, to go back to the multiple platform conversation, they can do it in different ways in different countries. You can be free-to-air, pay-per-view. You can go uh, digital rights. You can do all kinds of things. You can go through Netflix in some countries. You can go through anything. Um, so it's just a matter of refining and defining uh, which countries will go in which directions and try to make the maximum amount of money out of it. That's what it's all about. And, you know, if they, they were talking about getting 5 million people signing up at 100 bucks, that is 500. I'm very good at math, you know, that's $500 million per year, which you know, knocks the socks off what they're getting right now. So, you know, it, it will massive impact on Formula One if this thing takes off. And five million is a fairly conservative number, I would say, because there, yeah. there are supposed to be 30 million serious fans, maybe even more than that, um, you know, serious uh, rev heads who would be willing to pay that kind of money. That That's, you know, for me, that's going to be a massive bonus. And of course, the more people you get into it, the more people go to the races, the more people buy merchandise, all these things that Bernie never, never developed. Um, they're developing them all. And, you know, there are a whole bunch of them were in Miami the other day trying to work out how they're going to do a race there. But if they're going over there, that would tend to suggest they've got some money to do things. So we'll have to see. There's definitely a race going on in Hanoi. But then again, the, the, the history of motor racing in Hanoi is fairly limited. OK, well, let's come to those um, those tracks in a second. But just going back to this Liberty TV model, um, it's it will come as no surprise to people who are sort of keep up with tech and media i think in general sport has been the last safe zone for for sport and the last place that the cable companies can well i suppose we would call them satellite companies can dominate so as somebody who is quite a passionate cord cutter and in every other aspect i pick and choose what i want amazon netflix that series from google play and i think this is just going to fall in line with everybody else but just some comments from the chat room here and a warm welcome to our large chat room today you can join it by subscribing to missed apex podcast on youtube click subscribe there's a little notification bell if you click that you'll get a notification every time we go live rob graham is saying we're upset in canada too i take it they have the same kind of deal um cormac is getting is taking us through in the uk yes of course you have to take the basic satellite then pay for sports on top blackout 19 sky just needs to offer the f1 channel as a standalone online subscription like bt do and i guess that's kind of what i have to do with now tv because i have to see the races in real time for the podcast so i end up paying 11 pounds 99 i think per race weekend dan jury it's rubbish that places are losing free to air F1. They pretty much killed off cricket when Sky gobbled all that up, and now the same is going to happen to F1, and and that is my biggest fear. What's the history been like in France? You has it been pay TV for some time now? Did you say? I know it's only been pay TV for three or four years, but it's killed it. Um, but you know the the point is that pay TV was a stage that everyone went through, and you still have people who are complaining about sport not being free. I'm sorry, but free to air television could not afford to compete against the pay television. It is a market out there. The only way you can stop it is to legislate. And to be quite honest, politicians, particularly in Britain, have got more important things to do to worry about than whether or not Formula One television is is free to air. Um, you know, so let's get real. As I said, you don't expect to go to the theatre and walk in for nothing. Um, 
you, you have to pay. The problem is that the pay TV companies, the middlemen, were basically taking a lot of money. So you kick out the middlemen, which is what we're doing by having Formula One uh, television itself, and therefore you can get down to a reasonable price. And the bigger the numbers, the more people sign up, the cheaper it's going to get. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> See, um, the, 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 old, the models are changing everywhere. So when you talk about people expecting it for free, I suppose with the BBC, people felt it's that... Only, it's only the old folks who expect yeah. it for free, to be well, fair. Well, and also fair. the free wasn't always free. So the BBC one, you're paying your TV license. And, and I think my personal belief is increasingly that is a model that is going to get pushed to the margins. It has its place, but not maybe in the mainstream anymore. For, so they, for, can't com- they can't yeah, compete exactly. on... on- on prices you know you can't you can't spend the money that sky can spend to buy the premier league i mean it's ridiculous money but they make it back however if the premier league was going direct to to the to the public themselves that would be another story and it's the future it's the way it's going to go in the future everyone's going to do the same thing because why should the middlemen make the money absolutely unless i become a middleman and then i instantly want them to make money so we have a question from joe christopher And he would like to ask you on the theme of liberty and the things they're changing. What would you do right now that liberty aren't doing? And I'm going to extend that question to me. I'm here too, you know. I'm not just cut grass on the floor. Uh, I would change the name of the tyres because I'm I'm really fed up with the tyres there, Joe. Uh, Why have they gone to turning everything up to 11 and having all these softs? I would simply change it hard, medium, soft, RAF and just be done with it. Um, Yeah, that's complicated. I'd also throw Carmen Jorda out because uh, that's um, just making a mess of everything. We don't need people coming up with stupid remarks about whether or not women can do Formula One. They can. If they're good enough, she's not. End of story. So you want to go to the Carmen Jorda thing, hey? Okay. No, I don't. I just want to point out the fact that there's been a whole lot of waffle because she said something ridiculous. Not for the first time, it has to be said. But, you know, just let's have some positive flow about Formula One, not all this negative. Bernie's sitting there pumping out negative stories left, right and center. Uh, We don't need negativity. We need positivity. And Formula One is an amazing championship. It's great. It's really good. They're doing amazing things with the technology. The racing is decent. The coverage is good. You know, enjoy it because that's what it's there for. Go to the races. Have a good time. That's what it's about. It's about. It's about a spectacle, and it certainly is a spectacle. These things have got a 1,000 horsepower now. They're lapping circuits faster than they've ever lapped before. I know, yes, I know that Emerson Fittipaldi went sideways in 1936, <laughs> but forget it. That doesn't happen. Technology, once you let the uh, the genie out of the bottle with, um, with aerodynamics, you're kind of screwed. Uh, let's have a look there. It's just people scrolling back. Emmanuel Beast, bring back Brid Curls. Just kidding, just kidding. He says, okay, fine. We won't remove you from the chat room. Uh, Sushmit Mondal says, yes, remove her. She's stupid. Now then, if we just scroll back a little bit, I am going to slightly defend her, Joe. It does kind of sound like it was a bit of gotcha journalism. I'm not defending her because she said some daft stuff. But it does sound like Got, people... gotcha, gotcha journalism involves somebody reacting to a question if you have a question that is gotcha journalism don't react to it it's very simple it's not rocket science Uh, you know there are there are ways of doing it tatiana calderon is showing how to do it you get in a car and you drive as fast as you can and you make an impression and that's how you do it yes and doesn't this highlight though that she's been put in a role 
again, that she's probably not qualified for. She doesn't seem to have the vast media experience to deal with every time she gets a microphone in her face. And at the moment, people are just using her for sound bites. And is there a point at which she actually becomes a liability to what the FIA are trying to do with her? Well, I, to me, it's a complete mystery as to why she's there in the first place. But there you are. So, um, you know, there are, and you know, even members of the commissioner reacting, the same commission, the Women in Motorsport Commissioner reacting to what she said and just saying it's a load of rubbish. Um, and I don't know. I, don't, I just don't understand why she's there at all. She has no results to back anything up. Um, and the only reason she's ever been anywhere near a Formula One team is because money has been paid. Y- yes, I wouldn't disagree with that at all, Joe. Uh, yeah, Dan's saying Carmen's apology looks straight out of the FIA press room. Yeah, I think there might come a time where they're just fed up of having to firefight what she says over the the any benefits. And, and I'm sure if you went on Twitter and said, name me 10 people who would be better for this role than Carmen Jorda, people would have their opinion. I think she's obviously been put there. She seems like she's got a t- good team behind her because she's getting herself the exposure that she wants. I'm not criticizing anybody who wants to get themselves ahead. Uh, but yeah, I don't quite agree with why she's well, there. People do say that she's managed by Bernie Ecclestone, but there you are. Speaking of Bernie, shall we? Shall we speak of Bernie? We can do. Not three times or he'll appear suddenly on the live stream. But he well, is- we shouldn't say anything, anything at all like... His his uh, ex son in law described him as the other day, which is all rather nasty. I thought it's all very ugly in the public eye. All this stuff. Maybe that's why Bernie's talking about Formula One a lot to I, try and deflect attention away from the fact that a man called Stunt called him some rude names. Most unfortunate name, Stunt, isn't it? I don't actually. I think I've caught any of this. Has he been being attacked? Has he? Yes, I'm not going to say what he was called, but it was pretty rude. I have to say. Well, Joe, that demonstrates personal growth. I have to say that you didn't. Yes. Well, um, the specific things that I noticed, he said, were less controversial, but only slightly. He said Formula One should go all electric, uh, showing that he definitely follows current technology. Yeah, well, that's that's terrific, fabulous plan. But where's it all coming from, this electricity? Uh, it's going to come from coal-powered fire stations or whatever. I'll say that again, coal-fired power stations. <laughs> um <laughs> Fire stations don't produce electricity generally, do they? Um, but um, where's it all going to come from? It's not going to be clean. These cars, to build them, they have a carbon footprint that takes their entire life to get rid of. So they're not carbon neutral. They're not good for the world. And in actual fact, I still think hybrid is much better. And, and also electric cars are not – electric technology is not moving fast enough. There's lots of people claiming lots of stuff, but no one's actually delivering really solid results that will make it competitive economically and and uh, as a driving device. Send your comments to at Joe Sayward on Twitter about whether electric cars are a beacon of the future. I, I think I'm a little or more... Or flared trousers. <laughs> I think I'm a little that, that, more... That will go out of fashion and uh, eventually all the... I mean, basically, I think the car manufacturer is all going to Formula E because it's cheap as chips. And they can go along and have a table, drink some beer with some of their mates and say, look at us, we're green. And to be honest, I just can't see how they're going to get to this carbon uh, an environment in which it works. You know, particularly if you're not allowed nuclear power. Well, if you have nuclear well, power yeah. producing electricity, you're fine. But unfortunately, I mean, it's like the French, they decided to ban all nuclear power stations. They're ahead of the game. Um, it was after Fukushima, I think. And somebody wanted to ban one of these things because it was on the River Rhine and 
the, the president at the time said, when was the last time there was a tsunami on the Rhine? Which was a great response, I thought. But, you know, these these people are bonkers. They're, they're, they're getting rid of clean energy, which is what nuclear is. Yes, there's a risk, but it's a tiny, tiny risk. No, but it's the, clean, the cleanest fan. form of energy there is. No, I don't want to risk agreeing with you, Joe, but yeah, I, I agree. Yes, clean energy. And, you know, going back to coal-fired power stations, I mean, there aren't enough windmills in the world to catch up with the kind of stuff we need to have. So you can build them offshore. You can, you know, you've got to build a lot of dams as well. Dams are good, but, you know, there's a limit to how many you can build, aren't there? There is. Let's go to the chat room just for a second before we move to the next crazy thing that Bernie said. Uh, somebody said, Lord, Lord Nuka says, Carmen is the new Bernie. Uh, Muna119, Carmen Jorda needs media training. And actually, there's quite a bit of sympathy for Carmen Jorda, not for what she said or she ever says, just for her as a person, I think. Uh, she's damned if she does. She's damned if she doesn't. And she does. And that's true. No, 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 she's not. Well, it's she's true. Not when damned, you- she's not damned if she says nothing. But yeah, but she can't say nothing in that role, whereas what she should say is nothing. Well, she shouldn't be in that role then. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. So uh, there you go. So you can't begrudge her pushing herself into that role, but now she's th- th- she's there. I think the fault lies with whoever put her there, not her herself, if you, if that makes any sense. Uh, and what, what doesn't make any sense is the next thing that Bernie said. Here we go. It's a little bit of a, th- a thing. Eccleston has warned that Ferrari's threat to quit F1 is real. Now... Uh, he has said what I don't agree mm. with, that F1 is Ferrari and Ferrari is F1. No promoter would be happy to see F1 leave. And then here's the bit that really gets me, Joe. That he's, he's saying if Ferrari had a new series with the same elements as now, people would jump on board. But he caveats it with if it was cheaper for the racetracks. It wasn't it him that made it expensive for the racetracks. Yes, it was. Was it him who signed the 100-year deal with the FIA, which makes it impossible to have a breakaway series? Oh, yes, it was. So what is he gabbering on about? Gabbering. That's a good word, isn't it? Yeah, gabbing. We'll have it. We'll have it. He's, what's he gabbing on about? The fact is he just wants to be in the papers, I think. I, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense what he's saying. Ferrari cannot afford to leave Formula 1. If they do, that's fine. Formula 1 will say, oh, that's a shame. But, you know, Ferrari has shareholders. The shareholders will punish Marchioni if he pulls them out because they need Formula One. And they're not going to start a new championship because they'd have to have 10 teams and they'd have to support them. And that would cost them billions. And that's without all the other legal problems. But the FIA can't join them because the FIA is tied to the Formula One group. The only way they can break the 100-year contract is not to have enough cars. And the FIA can solve that problem in a flash, as they did in 1952, when they didn't have enough cars, Formula 2 became Formula 1. Done. So Ferrari can't leave. It's, well, they can if they want to commit suicide. But uh, in terms of setting up something else, it's ridiculous. And Bernie knows that because he tried it himself back in 1980, 81, and they gave up because they knew they couldn't win. So it's just show business. It's just blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Rob Graham says, thumbs up, Joe. I think just in general, uh, you're quite popular around these parts, you know. Uh, Dominic Oxford, I'm disappointed that Bernie still gets so much media coverage. I was going to ask this myself, Joe. Do you then really think that he is just saying stuff for the sake of it? Or is there a motivation? Or have we just he's, simply got to the point where it's, he's not relevant now and he wants to be? I think that's the, the bottom line of it. There's a couple of Muppets who will, who will go to the opening of envelope if invited and will report everything he says as being slavishly correct. 
You know, it's just it's it's embarrassing. They're an insult to professional journalism. Um, there's a few Fleet Street boys who not there is a Fleet Street anymore, but, um, you know, who sort of go because uh, he was good to them, I suppose. But basically, he has become in Formula One terms. He's not relevant anymore, apart from the fact he can cause trouble. And that's, you know, that's why Liberty put him in the position of being, as he said it himself, I don't know what it means. Well, exactly. That's exactly why you're in that position, because chairman emeritus means go away and be quiet. Um, and he doesn't want to go away and be quiet, which is fine. But, you know, there's lots of other things that maybe it may be him trying to deflect attention away from other things. You know, he's got one or two tax problems that he's been keeping out of the papers quite well. Uh, Steve, our video editor, just a quick note to you. Could you put here something along the lines of Missed Apex podcast makes no accusations or alleged, just allegedly in huge letters or something? That would be that would be super good. Thanks, Steve. Um, allegedly, why is that? I don't know. I just heard tax and potentially something illegal and I'm panicking. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm not saying it's anything illegal. It's just basically <laughs> it's fairly well known fact that Bernie has had some problems with Her Majesty's excise and customs or whatever they're called. And um, uh, he, he's, you know, they're, they're, they're keeping an eye on him. So um, I, I can see him not wanting that to be big news in the papers. So that's not, that's, there's nothing, there's nothing unpleasant or illegal in that. It's just facts. And that's actually something that's often missing in journalism today. It's called facts. Oh, don't. Um, well, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> true. No, don't. I mean, I mean, if you if you look at the coverage of Formula One in the last three months, there've been three facts, I think, in the whole winter. Um, but you know, there's really not a lot going on. He said, she said stuff. Yeah, lots of it. Um, you know, McLaren denies that their car's a dog. Next day, McLaren's car is fantastic. Says McLaren. You know, it's just it's just rubbish stuff. I'm amazed people read it. To be honest. I had to go and buy a newspaper for my daughter's party and it, and I suddenly realized I hadn't bought a newspaper for about 6 or 7 years because I don't just I don't see the need personally to go in there and have a a big rustly sheet of paper to flick through uh when I could just go on the internet and find things that will definitely agree with my pre-held conceptions. Now then Joe, before we talk about tracks which you brought up briefly and we haven't actually mentioned at all on Mist Apex podcast, this is the time of year to get fully on board the Saywood train. Whoop whoop, get on the Joe train, GP Plus magazine. This is the absolute best time to subscribe to gp plus magazine um seeing as i don't think i don't i mean i'm looking around i don't i can't see my free uh spanners uh email code for gp plus magazine so i've been tempted to go and buy it myself where would i go to go and buy it you don't have to nod so vigorously joe you (laughs) you go to my blog or you go to grand prix plus.com which is plus because uh plus signs don't work on the internet uh, and you just sign up and it's it's a ridiculously cheap price for 23 magazines 90 pages long approximately come out electronically after a, a grand prix about 6 hours after every grand prix full color fantastic photographs wonderful stuff from inside the paddock it's not people who are sitting at home making it up in their garage it's real reporters who are out there doing this stuff so you know that's the um uh, the value of it um and you know it's it's kind of old-fashioned in a way it has race reports and qualifying reports and, and things you can't find in other magazines because it's all broken down into breakouts and para- sidebars and when you try to read it three years later to work out what happened in the race you've got no clue because you're you're surrounded by spotty columns i'm glad you said garage and not shed obviously if it's from a shed it's entirely legitimate isn't it 
So. But it could be the spare bedroom, you know, that's the other thing. So. <laughs> no, I, I am. this is going to be my first full year of GP Plus magazine. I was going to do it midway through the year, but I thought I'd, I'd wait till till now because you, you do a one-off payment for the year. It is very cheap, and we're going to get uh, the whole season's worth of reports to rip off and pass off as our own content on on Missed Apex Podcast. But as you say, it is guys there from the, tra- uh, from the, from the track side. Um, it's high-quality stuff. It's not you know, the bedroom people. I won't use the word that Will Buxton used to describe them. Obviously, you've got your monthly newsletter. Oh, go well. on. What did, what did you use? I don't know. I haven't heard this one. Well, well, so <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll put it in the chat room. Oh, no, you can't You can't do that. Um, I'll just have to tell you later. Okay, <laughs> so, fair enough. Um, if you or whatever were, he said, it, he was right. If you so. were in the chat room, Joe, you would be able to see the these things coming up i will have to get you hooked up uh so you can see the live chat as it comes as it comes through uh, but also you do a monthly newsletter as well is that correct still i do a weekly newsletter. weekly oh i'm so sorry is that an annual subscription also it's an annual subscription it's for it's for super super fans and industry people it's all the goings on with analysis business analysis uh, finance all the rest of this sort of stuff strategic thinking new ideas um and it's, you know, it's the industry people like it. Some of the fans like it. Um, it's not cheap, but, you know, Grand Prix Plus is cheap. So this is a, it's a, it's a sort of, um, it's, a, it's an industry insight, insider insight, I suppose, um, which apparently I am an insider. So there you are. I was going to say, and if we want to have delusions of grandeur, we should probably chip in as a panel and, uh, and get ourselves on board with that as well. And lastly, Joe, uh, I didn't know that you had actual green books. Uh, to do your notepad then obviously joe blogs f1 you have you know diaries from a, a green book but you do actually have real green books that you write i do and i have i have a whole series of them because i go through them um in fact i'm a little bit upset at the moment because these people who make them have discontinued this color so i have to go out and sort of shop around now but i think i got four or five in reserve which will get me through <laughs> into you know sort of um a few years yet but i've got yeah, i mean they, they are they're terrific they're terrific things and and there are, you know, every every race meeting after the race, I write a green notebook story about what's in the notebook. I've just uh, told them what Will Buxton said. And the answers are, I love Will Buxton. I want him to be my friend. He is a hero. Okay, so I might have to WhatsApp it to you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You know, Joe, uh, let's talk. In fact, is uh, is that all we've got there? Oh, yeah. The only other thing I've got in promote Joe stuff is um, Joe Leon Palmer is now on Checkered Flag podcast. Surely with all your contacts, you can get us an XF1 driver to come on inside F1 as well. As I said before, I have a vague suspicion that Joe Leon's not doing it for free. Um, and well, he's being hired by the BBC to do to do a commentary role. Um, I guess he's going to all the races, or at least the majority of them, because uh, I don't know. I, if I remember correctly, they didn't do all of them last year. Um, but um, yeah, he'll be very good. He's a, he's a, he's an intelligent guy, smart guy. Um, he might have a little bit of a grudge on his shoulder about not being a Grand Prix driver anymore. It does happen occasionally, but um, you know, good for him. Good for him, and it's good for it's good for listeners and viewers because you'll get an insight from a guy who's been in the cars. Um, and yeah, I'm happy to promote a ri- rival podcast. We wish there were a rival podcast. I'll, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I was on the phone the other day with Martin Schmundel, otherwise known as Brundle. Get out. Who, to- who told me that this year he will drive his fiftieth different Formula One car, which I thought was mighty impressive because he d- he drove a lot. You know, he drove a few when he was in his racing career, but during his TV career, he's now driven about 40 others. And this year will do his 50th. He wouldn't tell me which one he was doing, but uh, he's, you know, 50, 50 different Formula One cars. It's pretty impressive. Wait, wait, wait. You can't just drop. I was on the phone to Martin Brundle the other day. What, well, what, what was the circumstance was. Of, of this phone call? Why, why are you speaking to Martin Brundle? Well, because I've known him since we were 12, <laughs> you know, so... I, he was in Formula 3 when I was in Formula 3, and I first met him at a European touring car race at Monza in 1984, you know, so we go back a ways. So, yeah, I was just, we were just chatting about stuff. So. Oh, that's so cool. And tell him if the Sky gig ever doesn't work out, he's welcome in the shed for a bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I think perhaps if the Sky gig doesn't work out anymore, Martin probably got enough cash to retire now. You know, oh, he might do it for the love of it. Everyone wants to be in the shed, Joe. Well, I tell you what, though. Well, we're all getting we're all getting younger, you know. <laughs> Everyone who comes in the shed has a little side word with me and says, "Hey, any chance I can get on with uh, Joe and have a chat with Joe?" So we might have to have <laughs> some kind of all-star Mr. Apex panel, Joe. Well, they can do that without actually going to your shed. They can go to my audiences. That's a good way of doing it. No, you can, have a, chat. You can have a chat with Joe. Oh, well, sorry. <laughs> well, Stop competing directly with me. I suppose it's, uh, I don't charge people to come to the shed. It's free. That's what we've got in our favour. I don't even know where the shed is, actually. Where <laughs> is the shed? It's uh, about 10 miles south of Bedford in the very glamorous central Bedfordshire countryside. Central Bedfordshire. Okay. So look on Google Satellite View and see if you can spot a bright blue shed. South south of Bedford, yes. Okay, yes. So it's not it's not across Cranfield way. It's the other way. You'll forgive me if I don't give out my postcode uh, on the live stream. 
<laughs> but uh, anyway, let's move on to a bit of... Well, just uh, in case uh, someone throws some bombs at you. Maybe. Well, I'm very popular these days, Joe. Somebody's bound to come and want to pat me. You see, I don't want to get papped, uh, he said, desperately wanting to be papped one day. So uh, if people are saying, yeah, Joe should do a talk in the shed. I love it when Joe burns spanners. Joe, you are welcome in this physical shed anytime. Let me know when you're coming through and, uh, and we'll squeeze you in somewhere. So, tracks. Now, we've not actually covered this at all in Mist Apex, um, but it was quite exciting when you hear things like Miami. That certainly sounds like an exotic location. There was three tracks, I believe, that was named. Uh, Hanau, uh, Miami, I forget the other one, um, but, you know... Copenhagen. Copenhagen. Ah, Copenhagen. Oh, I'd love a Grand Prix in Copenhagen. It's an absolutely wonderful place to spend a cool spring afternoon. Uh, But how likely are are these recent batch of of talks going to result in a race? I think they're all pretty likely because uh, Liberty Media has declared their interest as being taking the racing into the cities, <clears throat> making it festivals, and uh, therefore you need big cities. And uh, therefore, I think uh, Copenhagen fits. It's a it's a good looking city. It's got lots of people. It's got um, it's well located for Northern Europe. If you look at a map of where all the Formula One races are, there's not much in the north of Europe. There's an awful lot in the south of Europe. You know, you've got Monza, Milan, you've got Paul Ricard, you've got Barcelona, all those ones in a sort of spread across the sort of Mediterranean bit. But if you go north, there's the German Grand Prix, the Belgian Grand Prix, and the British Grand Prix. But north of that, I mean, the British Grand Prix is, I think, the furthest north um, at the moment, I think, um, in Europe, in European terms anyway. Um, and... There's an awful lot of fans in Germany. There's a lot of fans in Holland. There's a lot of fans in Scandinavia and Finland. And they can all drive to Copenhagen or fly, whatever. Copenhagen's a good place to go. Hanoi is a good place to go because it is a new market. It's uh, very um, uh, Chinese-focused, I suppose. A lot of Chinese people go there. Um, They've got tons of money they want to spend on, on tourism. So if you go along and offer these guys a pile of money, they're going to say yes, probably. Miami, it, it's good for everybody if they can make it happen. Uh, the race has to wash its face because it's America. America, nothing comes, you know, the government doesn't pay for anything. So you can't have these sort of um, uh, governments that don't need to ask anybody. Um, let's put it that way, shall we? Uh, they just, <laughs> right, we'll have a motor race to promote ourselves. And there's quite a few of those. So, um, you know, that basically... Liberty's in this game to make money and promote the sport. And so they want to go places that will pay money. And this is why, I mean, they have said they're going to keep traditional races on. um, But there's a limit to number of people who are going to travel to the middle of nowhere um, in this modern day and age. Silverstone, you know, has got lots of people go to Silverstone. But Nürburgring, they can't get a crowd for love and money. Um, Spa has struggled up until Max Verstappen came along. Um, and now, of course, three quarters of Holland go every weekend. So, I mean, it's amazing. The Dutch go everywhere. Yeah. The, 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 oh, there are caravan races right across the whole of the continent, rushing down to see Max doing his thing. Austria, I've never seen so many Dutch caravans in my life. Well, they're very tall, aren't they, the Dutch? So they can get around everywhere in a few strides. Something like that, yeah. Well, you it's, must quite have a lot, some... it's quite a long walk from Holland to Austria, I can tell you. You must have some Dutch roots, Joe, I can tell. <laughs> a very large human being. Uh, right then, so uh, the chat room's expressing a little bit of concern about street circuits, and I have to agree, I personally am not 
thrilled by street circuits, possibly with the exception of Canada, which doesn't feel like a street circuit to me, and um, Baku if everybody is in self-destruct mode. But uh, do you have any particular objection to street circuits? Because Formula no, E, I, that's, that's what I, stops me really getting into it. It's all the street circuits. It's not about the street circuit. It's about who designs the street circuit. You, you know, you can design a good street circuit. It's very simple. Um, but you have to have you have to have streets that will make it work. Now, usually what happens is you fit a, a circuit into an existing street pattern um, and it makes it more complicated. They did try at one point with South Korea. The Korean Grand Prix was supposed to be um, a town that would be built around it. Abu Dhabi was going to be the same, actually. Yes. Um, and they didn't, in the end, build the town around it, although things are growing around um, certainly in Abu Dhabi, not in uh, anything growing in Korea, I think is rice. Um, but, you know, they were just in the wrong place. I think we should go back to Korea myself. I think, you know, it's got a, such a big car industry there. And uh, I think it'd be, it'd be terrific to have a race in Seoul or somewhere like that. Good. Thank you very much, Joe. Let's actually talk about some race cars that have been on a real track that currently exists. And that's, of course, testing. We've managed to get 45 minutes into the show before even talking about testing. Now, I know you said you didn't go, but obviously you've been keeping up with it. For some reason, I feel like it's been a a more exciting testing than normal, simply because we had that uh, disruption with the snow in the first week. And it's almost, we can tell less this season, which makes it a bit more exciting. Um, Yeah. I, actually, my view is you should have as little testing as possible. I mean, all the teams obviously want as much as possible. Yeah. But for the show, it's better to have less because you all go to Australia not knowing um, who's where. Now, if you look at the numbers, this evening, Mercedes-Benz completed 1,040th lap in eight days in Barcelona. Now, I can't remember how far that circuit is, but that's a very long way. That's 10, 12 Grand Prix that they've done. Um, in the testing, and if you go through all the teams, it, it, they're all. It's. I mean, I can tell you, it's it's Ferrari eight sixty three. McLaren was second fastest. Would you believe five ninety nine? Red Bull Racing seven eighty three. Renault seven ninety four. Team Haas six ninety five. Toro Rosso eight twenty two. Mercedes a thousand and forty. <laughs> Force India seven eleven. Sauber seven eighty five, and Williams. Uh, who were the slowest on the clocks, 7.34. So if you average that out, you're looking at about 800 laps per team in eight days, which is an unbelievably large amount of running. Now, it's an, it's an incredible achievement that they can drop their cars onto the track and get them to run like this. Well, mostly, Absolutely. Joe. Well, I'm sorry, but, you know, <laughs> if the smallest total is, is 500 and whatever, 99 laps, that's still pretty impressive. <clears throat> for a new car you know these things are prototype cars you know normally when you have prototype cars they fall apart things break but in formula one they don't and uh, in a way that's a bad thing because obviously it takes away the element of you know re- these things are so reliable but at the same time reliability wins world championships as we saw two years ago when lewis lost the world championship because of one engine failure or last year when v- vettel's kerfuffles in in the orient basically cost him the championship so you know they have to be good um but it's really impressive what they do well then has anything particularly surprised you that uh that 
comment comes from Rotage in the chat room there. Has there been any kind of standout surprises? For me personally, I've been really surprised by Force India kind of not turning up to testing in, in many senses, saving their updates for um, for uh, for Australia, but for fans of Force India or people who have very high stakes reputation bets with Anil Palmer, uh, it's actually a little bit worrying that they've turned up there and and not shown their hand at all. Uh, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, for example. No, no, I disagree with that entirely. The the reason that Force India haven't got any updates is that they are they have updates in the works. Yep. Uh, actually, I was on the phone to Otmar Zafnau just the other day. Just drop that. <laughs> and, and he was well, um, just explaining how I know. Um, and he was saying that the problem they have is that they don't have the industrial capacity to produce the bits fast enough. So they think that they'll start the season probably a little bit behind, but will catch up when they're, you know, they, they have the knowledge of what they need to do to make the cars faster. But they haven't got the ability to do it fast enough to have it ready for the first race, whereas the big teams have got industrial capacity to build stuff literally overnight. And that's just money. And that's where uh, the Formula One has this weakness, is that there is a lot of um, the, the level of performance is, is regulated by money. So before the season, I might have said that a, an interesting midfield battle would be directly between Force India and Renault. Now, Renault have been possibly underfunded versus what you think they might have, uh, whereas Force India have always punched above their weight. So I thought they might kind of might be level. But uh, what can you tell us about what's happening with the ownership of Force India? We heard a lot about Force One. We heard a lot about them being bought by companies over the winter. Uh, but I'm, I'm none the wiser. I don't think it's going anywhere at the moment until someone's going to pay what VJ wants. And VJ doesn't want to sell, really. Um, he'd like to keep on going. The trouble is whether if he gets sent home to... India, someone's got to fund it. So, um, and I'm not sure he's in any position to fund it, really. I mean, the thing is, they've done very well on performance terms, so they've got lots of prize money. But in terms of of having the money to keep it running at a competitive level, it's going to be very difficult to do that. So, um, I don't think we're going to see any change there. We'll see a change of name that's going to happen fairly soon, exactly when I don't know. And I don't know what the new name is. I mean, they've got some registered stuff registered at company's house, but they might just change that at the last minute. Take a um, wild guess then, Joe. What do you think it's going to be called? I'm going to guess Firejet. No, I don't suppose it's going to be Firejet, but I think um, they were they were certainly working on Force Racing, F-O-R-C-E, and it was for Formula One race car and something. The trouble is that Bernie Eccleston owns Force, which is Formula One race car engineering. He still owns it, um, but... I can't. I think the, the word "creative" was in the Force India one, Formula One racing and creational engineering, or something like that. I don't know if they'll use that or not, but that's you know the only thing with Force is it might be a bit too close to Formula One. Um, but we'll see. They'll call it something. I think the problem um, with uh, calling it something so close to Force India is that it, it appears like it does in like a, a computer game where they don't have the rights to use the names and they call it like, you know, uh, Force One and Ferroni and uh, McCardies. Um, but uh, it's a shame because, you know, as you said, they clearly are a talented outfit, but they can't power their way through financially with upgrades and things like that. If If Formula One was just a little bit less extreme with its finances... 
you would fancy some sporting billionaire or some uh, like uh, Mohammed Al-Fayed coming in and, and, you know, like he bought Fulham and, and buying the potential of that team. But the prices are just so astronomical for, you know, your day-to-day billionaire. Um, yes and no. It depends how much they want it. You know, billionaires have got lots of money. There's a billionaire who bought Sauber, but he doesn't seem to want to spend too much money on it. Um, and generally speaking, rich people are rich because they don't spend their money. Um, you know, so the ones who come into Formula One have always tended to be slightly louche and usually end up sort of running away from the police and things, you know, it's just the way it's been over time. Nowadays, it's a bit better, um, in as much as they are, um, more corporate, I suppose. But, um, you know, it is, it is what it is. And, uh, you've got the, the Mataschitzes of the world. He's got plenty of money. He's happy to spend it. So, um, you know, there's always another match out there. There's a man at BWT, the water man, who's um, funding, sponsoring Force India. Uh, he seems to be printing money at the moment, too. Just, you know, he sells water. Great plan. I want to do that. Yeah, if only I had great business ideas and didn't spend everything I get straight away. I could be pretty well off, Joe. But another well-off outfit, Renault, that we touched on there, um, do you get a feeling that they are making a real push financially? As in, they've got more backing from Renault themselves, the race team, that is. It's all pretty much budgeted over a five-year plan. I mean, they're uh-huh. always trying to get more. They're always trying to get more. But, you know, the reason they got in there was they had a budget. Car companies don't just go into things without planning in advance. So, so they had a five-year, five eight-year budget, whatever they had. And they're, they're gradually growing it and they're trying to get more sponsors in and da-di-da. Um, and they, they've clearly got more money this year. Now, how that will impact upon their ability to beat Red Bull and McLaren, we'll have to see. I mean, they looked quietly competent during testing. Yeah, everybody does, but they're all pretending. Well, not everyone, Joe. I mean, there was a yeah. certain pit stop video that we may or may not want to talk about. I don't know if you saw that. There was nope. a practice pit stop where, actually, what I, I heard, I can't remember where I heard it from, that McLaren stopped practicing pit stops in the Honda era because they were so busy trying to fix their car. But although Honda have pulled out a decent time that you might call a, a glory lap today to finish fourth, I think, in the end, um, that's all we've seen from them. It seems like they've, they've, they've been running soft tyre glory laps or breaking down. They're the one team that have, have looked like they're really struggling through testing. They've done 600 laps, and they've set a 117.784, which is uh, half half a second off the pace of the Ferraris. You can't tell if that's uh, <laughs> real or not, to be honest. But you know, the fact is, they've done it. That means the car can go that quick. It might, you know, they might have taken all the all, all the weight out of it. You know, Fernando had a smaller lunch than usual, whatever. You know, um, but. The fact is the car's set that time and it's set it on Hypersoft, which is the same tires that everyone else has been using at the front end. So, um, well, the, it, big, it's, the concern from an amateur point of view, Joe, is that that car is looking awful empty and you do wonder whether they're doing everything they can to attract sponsors rather than, you know, setting a representative time. 
Yeah, that's always possible. But having said that, you know, the people who own McLaren aren't exactly poor men. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so. And and what they are as well is they're not negative men. Everything that's coming out of McLaren from uh, Zach Brown and Eric Boulier is very, very positive. Mm. I I would expect McLaren. I mean, they've had a few glitches in 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 uh, testing, but I would expect McLaren to be on a par with Red Bull. They should be because that's the level of kind of engineering expertise they have. Um, they don't have Adrian Newey, but they've got a lot of very, very good people. So, you know, I would expect them to be there or thereabouts with the same engine. Would they be ahead of Renault? Maybe, maybe not, because Renault have got good people. The thing is, all these teams have got good people. And the question is, after a while, it's not about having good people. It's having the numbers of good people you have, you know, because success in Formula One is a little bit um, based on numbers. Joe? Despite you being a really stern and extraordinarily frightening person to talk to, you are actually very positive. If I, if I scroll back and I listen back to all your shows, you, you do always seem to find the best out of the teams and the drivers and the situations. It's, I really admire that. Um, but we do have to ask you this question from Dakota, Dakota Clements. Joe, who's going to finish last in the championship next year? Sauber. You think, oh, no, don't. I really want them to do well. No, there's not even a question. Oh, really? Yeah, I think that's pretty much what's going to happen. I mean, if Williams finished last using Mercedes engines, it would be it would be a tragedy of Shakespearean proportions. But no, I think I think it's fairly clear that uh, that uh, Sauber will end up at the back again. I don't see why they're going to come forward. Everyone else is is. Everyone's moving forward all the time. And, you know, so saying we're making improvements, fine, great, terrific. <laughs> but everybody's making improvements. So in order to make a big improvement and overtake, you're going to make double the effort so you... or, du or double the investment. Ah, I just, I, I was really hoping that Alpha, as I'm calling them, I don't care what you say, Joe, that Alpha were just going to make that step forward. And they have got a brilliant young driver who might eclipse Ericsson and, and, and really like show, get the best out of the package. They might have that in their advantage later in the season. Just, let's just see what happens. But my sense is that they are weak. I think Williams is a little bit weak on the driver front. Uh, I'm not sure how the car is. It should be good. They've got some good people there. They don't have as much money as they need. Um, but I don't see any of the others. I think Toro Rosso is the one who's probably made um, with Honda, amazingly, because they've done over 800 laps. So uh, Honda's reliability problems are clearly not that serious anymore. So, okay, now they may not be as fast as the others, but um, they did an 18.3 on Hypersofts. So that's only 1.2 off the fastest time. Now, the fastest time may not really be the fastest time because <laughs> clearly Mercedes haven't tried. Or if they've tried, they've only tried on two-thirds of a lap or something. I mean, all the engineers are going to be looking at all the data, trying to figure out, you know, were, were, were the Mercedes boys doing very fast laps uh, and then lifting off at the end, or were they doing fast sectors? And if you add all their sectors together, which is the fastest one, and it's probably in the high 16s, I should think. Yeah. I, I, hmm. I, still see, I still see Mercedes being the, being the, the, the powerful. I mean, they're the, they're the ones who not, they don't need to try, do they? A thousand and forty laps. That's a lot. And they've done this in testing in the whole hybrid era as well, haven't they? They've been the ones that have come straight out the gate with a reliable car and then smashed it on the harder compound tires. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, 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 the thing is, there's a danger of reading anything into testing because, as you said yourself, you know, some people, I remember Ligier always used to go off and do a fantastic time on the last day of testing because they needed some more sponsorship money. You yes. Know? And, uh, well, we had Matthew Carter admitting last week that he did exactly that with Charles Peak uh, to get yeah. to second in a, in a timing screen. And actually, interestingly, I have just got a message from listener Matthew Carter here who says, Would Joe be willing to have a bet with me? about McLaren beating Red Bull. So do you, do you think fancy McLaren to beat Red Bull this season? No, it's an in, that's an interesting call. I don't it's <laughs> going to be a tough one to bet on because it's I think it'll be very close. But I do think that um you know they have that kind of capacity. I think both will be ahead of Renault. Uh, yes, and he's actually team. he's actually just added that both ahead of Renault. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but okay, I think well, I, I think in time Renault Renault are coming all the time. They're investing all the time and they do have good people. So, you know, and they've got, uh, I don't know if any of the readers have been to Endstone of late, but it's a massive building site. They've, they've extended the factory in the last 12 months quite dramatically to get all the people in. So, you know, and they're, and they're making things happen between Viry Chatillon and Endstone. There, there are lots of things going on. Um, and, Actually, the fastest thing I've seen this winter is Cyril Abitbull talking at the Renault launch. He's always on hyperspeed. It's amazing. Um, and I said to him, I calm down, calm down, Cyril, calm down. You know, you just, you know, you're, you're talking at 37,000 revs. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I worry about him sometimes from his health, but he must have very, very good uh, blood pressure levels. I'm, I'm trying, trying to f- scroll back here because the live stream is going by very quickly. But somebody here is basically asking, uh, have, do you have any insight into why that McLaren livery, livery is so blank with their deals that fell through? Or is this a hangover from the bad press with Honda? Uh, it's because there were some big deals that when it fell out of bed with Ron Dennis in that era. It's because the market's not easy. It's because uh, Zach's usual sources... Uh, are doing other things. Um, if I was a gambling man, I would say that in 2019, you might see Martini or Bacardi company on the McLaren. I just have a feeling in my water, maybe that that could happen. Uh, cause Johnny Walker went walkabout. And, uh, so they've, they've got room on their car for a bit of a spirit. Um, and that was Zach's deal actually with Williams. The Martini Williams deal was a Zach Brown deal. So. Uh, and just to- it was che- it was cheap as chips, I should add. They, you know, they got a very very good deal. So McLaren might not be keen on that. But you know, the fact is that um, finding sponsorship these days is tough, certainly to the level that it used to be at. And if you try to pretend it's still at that level, you're mad. Look at Ferrari; even they've got trouble filling the car. Well, speaking of filling the car, you touched briefly on what Williams have filled their car with, which is uh, three drivers throughout the course of testing. Has has that uh, that situation unfolded in your mind any further than simply we are having those two lads that have got good backing, Shirokin and um, and Stroll, and then Kibitz is there to help out with the testing because he seemed to have done done rather a lot of testing compared to other third drivers. Uh, well, he's the guy who's, uh, well, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, he's the guy with the experience. Uh, yes. Put him and, in the car. <laughs> but, it, it, but it's very old experience. Yes. Um, you know, so uh, put it this way. If you're a team that's struggling at the back and you need to go forward, the only way you can go forward is to pay. 
to go forward. You need money. So the best thing to do is to go and get money from whatever means you can get it. Now, if you can get good drivers who can also bring money, I mean, if you get a driver who can't drive his way out of a cardboard box, it's a waste of time. But, you know, if you can find somewhere a balance that's about right, near enough, and Stroll and Sorokin are, you know, they're not, they're not bad drivers at all. Remember, Stroll was on the podium. Okay. Strange circumstances, but he was. And Sorokin is quick. He can be quick. So, you know, let's, let's just wait and see. But if you're trying to move a team forward, you need money. And that's really what it's all about. Whether we like that, whether it's fair, whether they should, you know, people say in this absolute, fans have a great sort of sense of absoluteness about their decisions. Well, it should be like this because. But the, the truth is that they've got people whose salaries they have to pay and hundreds of them. So they have to make money and they have to do it um, in a way that keeps the team going and moving in the right direction. So you do what you have to do. I I think we all appreciate that on one level, but it's just a general disappointment when it's a team that is as loved and as supported as Williams. When they, it's just you know people think, oh, not my team, not Williams. They shouldn't be the ones who are reaching out for their support. Tyrrell did it, BRM did it, Lotus did it. They've all done it. The big teams struggling. You know, when their days are gone, Brabham did it too. You know, all these teams when they got to uh, different times. And times were hard. They all went and found, you know, people like Philippe Adams to drive their cars, or uh, that was that was Lotus who got him. And there was Brabham had Giovanna and Marty actually, um, and Damon Hill too. Although I think he got that one for free. Um, and basically, you know, people just go and find money wherever they can get it. So it doesn't matter if you are a great team of years gone by. You've got to be, if you want to be a great team in the future, you've got to move forward. Otherwise, you die. That's Formula One. You need money to move forward. Why not spend a few of your bucks following Joe Sayward, really the only paddock person it's worth following, and he is with us here in the shed. So why not put a few bucks his way for GP Plus magazine? You'll have a magazine in electronic form delivered to you very, very quickly after a race. What was the quickest you managed last season? Oh, I can't remember. The quickest ever was like two and a half hours, which was totally insane. It was like the Keystone Cops goes publishing. But we had a plane to catch because we'd, <laughs> we'd screwed up on the uh, – because uh, sometimes nowadays we have these races at strange hours. And so sometimes you make a, an airline booking without thinking it through properly. And then suddenly you think, ah, we have to be at the airport at nine o'clock and the race just finished. This is not going to be easy. Um, so we've had a few adventures like that over time. But, yeah. It's kind of hard to beat two and a half hours. And I don't want to ever try again, to be honest. Six hours is fine. And there's lots of ways that we can give you money, really, apart from the newsletter for you uh, insider wannabes. I think that might be us. Uh, there's also, of course, the audiences with Joe. Anytime you go to a race, Joe Sayward is there and you can pay to go and see him in person. And if you are in Knightsbridge next Friday, go to his site, Joe Sayward. Just search that on the Internet and you'll find him. Click on his face and that will give you links through to an audience with Joe. I can highly recommend it. Like I said, Even if you are on your own, you are going to sit down next to people who love Formula One as much as you. You just turn around and say, hi, I'm Jim. I love Formula One. You've got an instant friend. I know. I've done this. It was fantastic. Uh, Is there anything else you'd like to promote while we're here, Joe? 
No, I think that's fine. Thank no, I'm you. getting better at this. Uh, uh, I have to say that I don't think it works clicking on my face anymore because oh. I've changed. The blog has changed. Um, uh, if you do Joe Blogs F1, as that's with one G, not two, Joe Blogs F1, it's a joke. There are some people who don't get that, but never mind. Um, Joe Blogs F1 should see you all right. And if that doesn't work, um, just go to Google and type Joe Say when it'll come up. So there you go. And if you want to follow me and show me your support, why not follow me on Twitter at SpannersReady and the show at MissedApexF1. Tell the people you work with that you have your F1 fandom increased by listening to Missed Apex podcast and particularly by Joe Sayward Inside F1. So until next Sunday, when the panel get round to talk specifically about testing and get down into the weeds of it, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars and glory last forever. This was Missed Apex with Joe Sayward. Ah, that would have been the least mistakes I've had to rescue in any show apart from the fact that I was terrible with the video editing and now I've got an angry Australian video editor to deal with. I kept, I kept clicking the wrong button, Joe. That's the problem. I don't... Don't worry, my my phone kept being, oh, well, been, well, one um, of, vibrating all through. That's why I'd smile on my face, probably. You know. Oh my god, the internet is cracking out at your end just as the show's finished. That's such good timing. Uh, look on your phone now. I told, I sent you what um, Will Buxton described. Uh, what you called bottom feeders are the words he used to describe them. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.